and you're listening to the Cinderella podcast, a show where we review every version of Cinderella we can get our hands on. Which I'm sure won't get old at any point. No, I'm sure that's going to go great. Today, we watched Betty Boop Cinderella. It was very Betty Boop. It was. It was very Betty Boop. Um, There's not really anthropomorphic. I think anthropomorphic might be the best way to describe literally everything in in the 11 minutes that we watched. It was deeply upsetting. Everything that shouldn't have a face suddenly had a face with like a full mouth of teeth. I don't disagree. Okay, so backstory. This is Betty Boop. It was made in 1934. It was originally black and white. I don't know who made the decision to colorize it. They chose to do so entirely with teal and red. There are no other colors. Just teal and red. It's amazing. It was an amazing choice. And I fucking love it. Oh, no, we're not supposed to swear. I'll bleep it out. We're trying to not swear. We'll we'll see how it goes. This is a Um, clean, family-friendly podcast, (laughs) in theory. So we open on these old-school velvet curtain theater credits that are super goth and just extra goth. More goth than I was expecting. More goth than anything else. There's a lot of scroll work. It's very beautiful. Acanthus leaves, I feel like, just entwining things. Anyways, so we open on two guys who are mostly red, just red noses, red clothes, very 13th century page, page boy clothes, with the poofy pants and the stripes on one side, but not on the others. And they are carrying... Bouncing. They're bouncing. Everyone in this movie is just bouncing. That's the general mode of locomotion. Except for one beautiful parkour moment, which we will get to. (laughs) So they're bouncing down the street to deliver a notice just to everybody that there will be a ball hosted by the king. No cover charge. That's included. They want you to know you do not have to pay a cover charge. It's a public ball. It's a public ball. Specifically what it says. Specifically. Uh, They're holding a scepter, uh, lance. It has some disturbing things on the end of it. We can't really agree on what they are. Um, okay. What it's supposed to be is like a lion head, but when you see it in profile, it looks like deeply like globular and upsetting in a way that's just like... They look like boobs. I... It looks like boobs. It's really I don't a, know. It's, okay. It looks like fleshy water balloons. Then it looks like fleshy water balloons, and I'm not happy about it. I was I was not happy about that part. I was living in beautiful ignorance until you pointed it out to me, and then went back and freeze framed it just to make sure that I didn't miss it. I didn't have to live with this knowledge. I am your best friend. What else would I do? <laughs> okay, so. We see Cinderella, and it's Betty Boop, and she has red hair, which I was very surprised by. Um, And she's wearing all these rags and the tiniest little stiletto heels. So, like, rags, but naked fashion. And her feet are so tiny. Her feet go to points. If you were to draw legs, they just go to a point. It's almost foot-binding levels of disturbingly small. and she's bouncing circularly, sadly. She's sadly bouncing around her she room. She is sadly bouncing. And she's singing a very helpful song 
in which she seems to be using Cinderella not as her name, but like as a designation. Yeah, so she, she is very aware that she is the Cinderella of the story. Oh, no, no, no. She's not the Cinderella. She's a Cinderella. That's true. Okay, she's a poor Cinderella, and someday she'll go to a ball and meet her prince, and she turns a lampshade into a crown. And then we hear the caterwaulings of the stepsisters. They're basically <laughs> ogres? They're basically ogres. I don't... This they're not human-shaped. This cartoon is using the very, um, uh, I don't know, shall we say problematic? Let's say, let's go with problematic. Um, let's do that, yeah. Uh, thing where the beautiful, nice character is designated by being paler than everybody else? Well, yes, but also more closer to human shape because the stepsisters have arms that reach their knees and legs that reach their neck. It's, and they're completely rectangular, except for their faces, which are very blobby. Well, they're, they're, the limbs are very noodly in that, like, old-timey cartoon way. Yes, but it's, it's disturbing. Anyways, so they, they shriek at her. There are words, but they are largely unintelligible. And then we get <laughs> a, a very nice montage of Cinderella ironing clothes and pressing things and generally doing chores. At this point, by the way, the visual aesthetic has switched from 13th century page boy to revolutionary France. So I didn't follow any of that because I really want to emphasize that Cinderella is wearing a dress made out of rags and then also stiletto heels. So I don't think realism is what they were going for. It's also Betty Boob with her signature pin curls. So... I don't see the point you're making. It switched dramatically. You're trying to instill like a sense of timing into something. Okay, fine, fine. If that's what you want to harp on, that's fine. We won't. So what is Cinderella's deal? What is holding her to this place? She doesn't say. Um, she Nothing, like... as far as we know. <laughs> Well, she says in her song that she's a poor Cinderella and that nobody loves her, but there's not, like, anything explaining why she lives with her stepsisters or why she does everything for them. There so I don't, know, I don't know what her deal is. There's also no stepmother, um, and we would not know that these are stepsisters except that it is Cinderella, and ergo, they must be stepsisters. They, they could be really terrible college roommates. You, you don't know. Um, That's incredible. Right? I would watch that adaptation. Okay, when we make our own Cinderella movie. Oh my god, is that where this is going? Oh god, okay. Okay, moving on, moving on, moving on. So. Well, okay, so the stepsisters so go to the ball, and then Betty Boop says my favorite thing in the entire movie, which is, I hope you enjoy the ball. Ooh. She, she does have a very specific accent. Um, she then goes to cry at the table, and her stepmother, stepmother, I'm so sorry, her fairy godmother, Calcifer-like, a la Hell's Moving Castle, just appears out of a candle. Her proportions were weird, too. She, like, didn't have hips. She She just sort of... She, yeah, she was very pale. She was just ghostly, um, and blonde. She was the only thing in this show that was not 
teal or red. She had blonde hair. Like Betty Boop, she also had a tiny little button nose, whereas everybody else has like like Squidward noses. Large Squidward noses, yes. That's a good phrase. That bounce. Um, bounce. Everyone bounces, we've established. So the fairy godmother miraculously appears from the candle, tells her that because she is kind and gentle. And gentle, she can go to the ball and to bring her a pumpkin, six mice. And two lizards. All classic. All classic. Uh, yeah, so- Betty Boop just goes with it. She's just like, ooh. And then she runs down the stairs in her little stilettos, like click clacking. They do add the click clacking, by the way, as sound effects. And she goes and gets a pumpkin. And then she's like, oh, where are those mice? And then picks up some a cage with six mice. And then she comes back and is like, here you go. And my immediate reaction was, where are the lizards? You specifically said that you needed lizards. I will not be able to focus on anything until, oh, good, the lizards are here. Oh, so they just show up by themselves. They just, the they just, jo- they just join the party. God. They just walk on. And then maybe you'd like to say what happens next, Talon. What, I, what happens I, next? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You like, wouldn't? You don't want to revisit that? You don't want to revisit that beautiful scene? Everybody starts singing, and by everybody, I mean uh, the pumpkin, the mice, and the lizards, and they all develop faces and just teeth, like a lot of teeth appear, and what they're singing about is how much they love being a pumpkin and mice and some lizards, respectively. Um, Pumpkin is especially thrilled because it was going to be murdered and turned into pumpkin pie. The pumpkin has a beautiful, deep, true bass voice, in case anybody wanted that detail. Did we? Did we want that detail? I think it adds depth. <laughs> Anyways, the oh. stepmother, was there something before she turned them into their final form? No, I just wanted to say the reason that I'm so upset and that Liv is so chill about this for all of you future listeners out there listening to this our first episode is because she has seen this multiple times and she likes it and this was my first experience so every time something started singing I was completely unprepared for it like physically mentally emotionally it's actually a little bit worse than that I watched Betty Boop cartoons as a child so during my formative years of four, five, six. I watched a lot of Betty Boop cartoons. This explains so much about you. It does. It does explain so much about me. Um, I can't deny that in any way, shape, or form. So watching this as an adult is very interesting because there is a certain level of fever dream horror that just was never present as a child. As a child, this was just adorable and quaint. And sure, yeah, this is great. I enjoyed this. This is fun. I can't believe your mom wouldn't let you watch Sailor Moon cartoons, but was fine with this. Okay, so all of these things transform into the things they usually transform into. That part is all normal as far it's as things go. It's actually really nice. It's really nicely done. The horses are really well animated. They're really pretty. Okay, they're well animated until they start singing. But they're well animated. They're well drawn. The coach is pretty. It's yeah, a nice transformation. Everything is so normal that you're momentarily lulled into thinking that you're watching like a really normal Cinderella cartoon, an illusion 
that is almost immediately shattered by <laughs> Betty Boop's transformation. Yeah, so what happens is her rag dress uh, shrinks. It gets shorter no, and shorter. It doesn't it, shrink. It doesn't shrink. Its hemline rises up to reveal her under things. Which are really pantaloons, I would like to point out. Um, they're very cute. I would wear. Just saying. The hemline rises recedes. until the... It recedes. It doesn't shrink. It recedes. <laughs> okay. The hemline recedes until the dress no longer exists. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The pantaloons then also rise. Is rise the word we'd like to use? I guess. Diminish. They diminish. They do diminish into shorter and shorter frilly underwear. And then the top which was before, like, a full bodice kind of situation, becomes, like, a little bralette. And then it develops a corset as well. She also gets a garter, because you cannot yes. go to a ball without a garter. I think we should add that to our... A garter poofs into existence. It, it's, it's basically a reverse striptease. It is. And then, so the corset bodice of her gown then appears around her and then from that a very wide poofy skirt appears mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. in sections uh and it's flouncy in the front and big and poofy on the sides but it's actually quite pretty and then little glass shoes just appear onto her feet it's very cute um aside from the bizarre and she gets a feather, and she gets a feather in her hair that's her <laughs> she gets a feather it's great it's teal it's a teal feather are you done can I, can I finish the sentence? Is that okay with you? Okay, so I just wanted to say that aside from the weirdness of the transformation sequence, she's also just squeaking the whole time. Like anytime something appears or disappears, it's accompanied by a, a traditional Betty Boop. Oh, oh, which I also found deeply upsetting. I'm really impressed at how well you can do that. I think you have a career ahead of you. Uh, <laughs> So the fairy godmother tells her, you must be back by midnight or you will turn into rags. No reason. You just have to. Bye, have fun. So she drives away in her carriage. The lizards have turned into footmen. Um, and they are guiding her on her way. She sings the poor Cinderella song again. With, I Which think, is no longer quite as thematically appropriate because she seems like very happy. She's also the first Cinderella that I've seen that is actively intending to go to the ball to meet the prince and become a princess. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So uh, the horse joins her in song for a moment uh, and gets a big full mouth of teeth. And it is, I, I watched Talon be very upset. Um, so the thing about this is every time something starts singing, the way that it's animated changes in that it starts facing you and everything is just coming towards you. And it distorts it in a way that just triggers the uncanny valley. Also, a lot of teeth. Just There are a lot of teeth. There's a lot of teeth. And occasionally, the faces sort of mm, dissolve, I would say. Mm. They just sort of, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dissolve. So she gets to the party, and the prince is at the top of the stairs. And he's walking like he has a wedgie. He also has really beautiful teal eyeshadow. It's fantastic. Betty Boop is not wearing eyeshadow, by the way, but the prince is wearing incredible eyeshadow. Bright teal. Bright teal going out to the club eyeshadow. It was... Listen, if I was a prince, 100%, that would be my look. 
I'm not saying it was a bad look. It was just an interesting choice. So then a statue of Cupid next to him comes alive. Oh, is that where the Cupid came from? I missed that part. Yeah, a Cupid comes to life. Oh, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. Before that, there are trumpeters that blow their trumpets <laughs> to announce the prince. And one of the trumpeters succeeds. Blows so hard. But the other one blows his trumpet so hard that his pants roll up to reveal his hairy legs and butt. They have animated, they have hairy. rendered the hairy legs very lovingly. They have. Uh, and then we just move on as though that never happened. Mm-hmm. So we, we meet the prince. Cupid statue comes to life, fumbles with arrows, so gets a big hammer and just... Whacks him on the head. Yeah, croquet style almost. It's not just, even a hammer so much as it is a full-on mallet? It's a mallet. It's a croquet mallet. He, Cupid croquet mallets the prince just down the steps into Cinderella where he bumps into her. Uh, he doesn't just go down the steps. He belly flops and then slides <laughs> down the steps, much like a penguin. I, I wonder if there I are wonder. any intersections of Cinderella and penguins. No, I'm sure that there's Surely nothing whatsoever not. that will ever have to do with penguins ever again. That's a, that's a really weird Surely thing to, to bring up, Talon. I don't know why you would say something so weird. Um, so the backgrounds are very beautiful. They are. They're very well drawn, done. They're very intricate, but subtle they have the color scheme again is still red and teal but it's sort of a subdued it is not subdued it's a little bit subdued it's a lighter teal and a lighter red and it's very pretty and so the prince and cinderella begin to dance and then it we get this lovely surreal backdrop where all the guests fade away and it's very clearly just the two of them dancing in this very beautiful dark teal spiral with a red spotlight under their feet and it, it actually, it actually looks like very like eighties, almost does. like, like that retro vaporwave thing that's kind of in right now. Yeah, it's it was really visually beautiful. I it was easily visually my favorite part of the film. Mm, yeah, definitely. So they finished their dance in a beautiful, prolonged yeah. dip and smooch, and then the prince's sword catches the ugly stepsister's dress and gooses her <laughs> through the dress. Nothing happens. There's no, that's just, that's just I think there. that's just a comedy beat. Um, but then the clock strikes midnight, Buddy Boob's got to go. She's got to book it. How, how would you describe her exit from this uh, M.C. Escher-esque building? Um, so there's a lot more stairs going out than coming in, but she books it as the prince tries to hold her hand and she just parkours her way, jumping over staircases and sliding down banisters. And then just when you think she's out, the scene starts over and she jumps over more staircases and slides down more banisters. Except for one beautiful moment where you think she's going to run through a doorway, but it's a mirror. And so she runs into the mirror like my puppy, just kaboom. <laughs> and then continues her parkouring down into what I guess is the basement, but it just takes her outside to the first level where she originally was. So I think she got stuck in the Goblin King's palace. Sorry, I'm just momentarily distracted by the combination of the insanity of Labyrinth and the insanity of Betty Boop. I mean... And what that would look like combined. Goblin King has really great eyeshadow. True. Has really long eyelashes. True. The prince in this had really long eyelashes. Not very, a lot of them. Not a lot of them. Five, five per eye. Five per eye, but very long. Uh, very tight pants. 
Yes. And a odd hairstyle. So I, I'm not saying that maybe there's some horrible crossover universe with the Goblin King and Betty Boop, but I'm not saying there's not. So <laughs> she books it. All of her mice friends turn back into mice and pumpkins and her dress turns back into rags. And then we get a very, very strong commit to the spin transition. She's just in like this vertigo spinning tunnel. I'm waving my hand around and Liv is subtly spinning her head following <laughs> it as she watches it. Um, and then it continues to show the prince's entire setting spinning as well. And then following like, her, trying to yeah. follow her. And they both disappear into the spin transition. Oh, when she leaves, she, she drops her shoe behind. Um, oh my God, she drops her shoe behind. She does. She what is this? Shoe. I know. So, weird, right? so the prince then says in rhyme, because everything is in rhyme in this movie except for the stepsisters. So, who are mostly gibberish. Who are mostly gibberish. There are English words there, but it's not meant to be intelligible. It's a caricature of English. So the prince then states in rhyme that he will marry this girl. Uh, he says he will share the kingdom with whoever fits the shoe. <laughs> okay. I... I was that's, still, that's a very political way of phrasing it. I think I was still very dizzy from the spin transition in my defense, so I, I missed that bit. It, it was like, whomsoever the shoe can wear, with them my kingdom I will share. Yes, that sounds, that sounds about right. So then we get to the shoe trying on ceremony of... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not a ceremony. It is a pyramid that they have erected. I, I have to imagine that this was built specifically for the purpose of this shoe because I can't imagine what else it was used for, but it's a pyramid and all of the ladies of the kingdom go up the pyramid one way, try on the shoe at the very peak while they're watched by two very unhappy like hench persons. And then they go down the other side of the pyramid as the prince stands below, sits below on his horse, just looking up and kind of squinting to see what's happening. It's a very steep pyramid, too, I'd like to add. It's, it's definitely it's definitely a 60-degree incline. It's, it's steep. I just feel like the word ceremony did not encompass all of the insanity. That's fine. So the whole stream of ladies go by, including the ugly stepsisters, who tries to put the shoe on and fails so badly that her toe develops a face to sadly... To admonish her shake his head and it was a dark scene. I didn't like it. I I didn't like it. No, I didn't. I didn't like that either. And then at the very end of the line, Cinderella is there and she tries on the shoe and it fits perfectly. And then we cut to wedding bells. We don't see a wedding though. Like that's- We don't see a wedding. It's just bells. It's not even anything like to signal that Cinderella is about to try on the shoe. No one tries to stop her from trying it on. She's just one of the ladies in line and it's kind of like Lady and then Cinderella, and you're like, oh, okay, we're at this part, and then it's the end. And, well, no, no, it's not the end, because they have to ride off in a carriage so she can sing the Cinderella song again, but, but she's changed still, the verb tenses. But it's still like, oh, poor Cinderella. Yes, but it's, she changed the verb tenses. She says, I was a poor Cinderella, and now I found my print. It's a, she's changed the verb tense. So it's even less relevant to what's going on. (laughs) Then the stepsisters show up right at the very end. And they go from a problematic darker shade to 
gray? Gray? Pale gray? Pale gray, green. It's a greenish gray color. I think the intent was for, for them to turn a bad color with envy. And they squabble at one another about, this is your fault. No, it's your fault. Until the title end card closes and hits them both in the face and squishes their faces and then bounces up and then closes again. And then we're finished. I just want to point out that as they're arguing, they fast forward the volume, the audio, until it turns into chipmunk voices, which I did not enjoy. I've never enjoyed that effect, and I didn't enjoy it in that moment. I think there are are better ways to represent extreme shrillishness than just turning them into chipmunks. But it's an effective... It's a technique. It was the 30s. It was 1934. I'm sorry. We still we still hadn't had our Second World War. We didn't know how annoying chipmunks were. It's it was a simpler (laughs) time. Okay. So speaking of simple, how do you feel about Cinderella? Do you like that transition? I feel conflicted because I liked her, but not for any discernible reason. I really enjoyed her as a character because she had a direct motivation like she was gonna go to the ball she was gonna dance with the prince she was gonna come out of that ball a princess and she accomplished all of that and I feel like she's very driven yeah so I again I have a soft spot for Betty Boop I watched a bunch of Betty Boop as a kid including Snow White Betty Boop which we might do as a patron special, if I can convince Talon that it's close enough to Cinderella. I don't know how you can possibly argue. It has that a Cap Calloway song. It has a Cap Calloway song. titled Snow White is in any way relevant to Cinderella. All right, yeah. so this movie's finished. Highs and lows. What was your best moment for the movie? Worst moment for the movie? Okay, <laughs> this is going to sound so mean, but the high point for me was the opening credits. and I just mean that they were beautiful it was so theatrical I was so like entranced by the color scheme um and then it all just kind of went downhill from there okay do you have a low okay the low was definitely when the mice started singing because their faces changed from mouse faces to people faces and they got up on their hind legs and I was just not ready for that like at all And then when the lizards joined in, you know, I was like, I can handle this. This is fine. And then the pumpkin developed a face and also started singing. And at that point, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. So that's my low point is when I thought that I had hit the low point and then it got lower. That's fair. That's fair. How about you? I think my high was the very weird future-esque dance transition scene oh yeah because it was really pretty and I love to dance and he ended in actually a really beautiful dip and like kiss which is very romantic for me so I thought that was visually very beautiful on a number of levels so I I really love that scene you know the dancing like all of the dancing was so well animated that I thought maybe they like rotoscoped some of it but Betty Boop's shape is so weird that they couldn't have possibly. Mm. The dancing was really well animated. Uh, it, it is about half a beat off from all the music uh, and then <laughs> another quarter beat off from all of the added 
tap tap sounds of their feet. So it's hard. It was I don't I didn't love the dancing as much as I would like to. I would really like to love the dancing. I did love that one scene though, just because it was so surreal, <laughs> and I just I really enjoyed it. And then I think Milo would, yeah. I th- I think the scene where the pumpkin finishes his song and then his face dissolves. Oh, I think I might have closed my eyes at that point. You might have, but I did not. And his face just dissolves back into a pumpkin, and it's it's unpleasant uh, visually. It's 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 not ideal. All right. So if you were going to grade this movie on a strict letter grade system what letter grade would you give this okay so i'm not watching this in a vacuum we've seen other cinderella adaptations before i know what's out there i know we're gonna wade through just the garbage of humanity um (laughs) so i give this a solid b even though it's traumatized me for the rest of my life yeah i I would probably give it a B plus, but I'm only giving it that plus because I have personal nostalgic ties. Um, mm. it, it has extra credit that is personal for me and only me, and that boosted it into the lowest possible B plus. But I'd give it a B plus. I would watch it again because I get into Betty Boop moods. So you are gonna watch it again, like. I could go the rest of my life without having ever watched this again, having ever watched it previously, and we'll go the rest of my life without watching it in the future, but you are definitely going to watch it again. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, there's no question about this. this is... I, just, I just feel it's important that everyone knows this about you. That's, that's fine. I am very open about the type of person that I am. Well, I think, I think we've wrapped up poor Cinderella. Ooh. Starring Betty Boop. Poor Talon. I don't know what <laughs> poor Talon. I had a great time. So that's it for this time. Um, if you're enjoying this content and would like to continue listening to us discuss the same story over and over and over and over until we slowly go insane, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CinderPod. Send us an email at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want even more of this content, you can become a patron on Patreon where you'll have access to the Happily Ever After Party in which we come back and continue to talk about this, but in a less sober state. Um, You can also have our Bibbidi-Bobbidi bonus episodes where Liv has convinced me to watch something only tangently related to Cinderella, so we can't put it in the main feed, but you still get all of it. Our music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod uh, from Incompetech. Uh, Until next time, we wish you a happily ever after.